Welcome to False Bottom Girls, a podcast about the wonderful yet sometimes confusing world of beer and brewing. Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, owner of Pilot Brewing and an Advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, sensory expert, home brewer, and Advanced Cicerone. We back. Welcome everyone to this new crispy, fresh episode. Crispy and fresh, like my 2021 guidelines look right now. Uh, episode of False Bottom Girls. I'm Jen. That's Rachel. I'm Rachel. <laughs> I'm Jen. And today we're going to be talking about the updated BJCP 2021 guidelines. Um, before we get started with that, I think we we definitely let our Patreon subscribers know, but I don't recall if we let our regular listeners know that we took the month of June off because I was preparing for and then retaking my master Cicerone exam. So thank you everyone for being patient. And hopefully when you see this updated episode pop up in your feed today, you'll be super excited to know that we're back, but that is um, why we, why we took the break. So I took the exam, I guess about three weeks ago now, I think I have another five weeks left before I get my results. But I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about it. Um, I feel like I definitely improved my score. We'll see if I improved it enough to pass. Um, But yeah, I had, I think I was on the wait list for this exam and I had four weeks from having a seat yeah. to taking, taking the yeah. exam. Yeah. If anyone had a, a disadvantage taking that exam, it was mostly you. <laughs> right. Which I, you know, I, I was still kind of studying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Knowing yeah. That there was but a still, chance. there's a huge difference. Right. Yeah. There's a very big difference between maybe and then if you still want a seat, you definitely have a seat and being like, totally. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so it was in Charlotte, North Carolina this time at Sugar Creek Brewing. And that was awesome because I lived in Charlotte for. And I live in Charlotte now. Years. Rachel lives in Charlotte now. So I loved it. Yeah. So I'm very familiar with Charlotte, very familiar with Sugar Creek. And um, that was cool because it just kind of took another element out of it for me, understanding, of course, that that's not the case for everybody, but I don't care. I'm concerned mostly with myself and, and how I would be prepped for the exam. Um, so yeah, it went, I, I think it went well. Rachel is taking hers in October. Yep. Is that correct? Sugar Creek. Yep. Same Thank place. God, this is my test. I don't have to travel. Right. Like I need to pass this. Yes. You get to sleep in your own bed. Yes. And have your own routine. My animals waking me up at 5 a.m. (laughs) Well, you know, they're just trying to make sure that you have, you stay on a consistent schedule. Yes, they do very well. So, yeah, you know, then right after that, we, I finished with the master and the next week, Rachel and I were in Pittsburgh for HomebrewCon. And we presented there on milling and mashing. And I think it went pretty well. Yeah, it was, it was pretty well received, except for the one gentleman who asked why, uh, who decided we were qualified to give the presentation because neither one of us had malt conditioned before. <laughs> As we were presenting on milling and mashing. Right. And malt Not- conditioning was one little side topic we talked about. <laughs> right. 
Right. It wasn't everything you ever need to know about malt conditioning presented by two malt conditioning experts. Um, it was one slide, um, but welcome to homebrewers. We're the fucking worst. So he we, did say he's going to start listening to our podcast. So maybe he'll hear it. Oh, good. Yeah. I do look forward <laughs> to hearing more feedback. On... <laughs> I got, I got to be well actually about sparge temperature. So that's true. That's true. Right after our conference, our, our presentation. Yes. I didn't yes. even have time to leave the stage. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. I could hear, I was talking to somebody else and I could hear Rachel saying, I understand what you're saying. I just don't agree with you. You don't have to keep repeating this to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, enough is enough at a certain point. Right. But both of those interactions, notwithstanding, we got to meet a few of you in person and that was really cool. It was yes. really neat to, um, to be able to, uh, talk to people who aren't, aren't only friends, <laughs> who listen. <Yes. laughs> but it's like, oh, you, we haven't met you in person and you listen and that's super cool. So if you were one of those people know that that was a really cool experience for Rachel and I to be able to talk with you. Yeah, it was. Um, so one of the things we've, we've, this, topic, the, the updated 2021 guidelines. Uh, obviously, we talked about it as soon as they announced the that there were going to be updates and they announced the new style guidelines. But we wanted to wait until July to talk about it because both the BJCP and Cicerone, who bases their testing off of the BJCP beer styles, the new guidelines don't go into effect until August 1st. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had talked about it and we were like, well, obviously we want to, um, obviously we've got opinions on the BJCP <laughs> guidelines, uh, but we wanted to wait until it was closer to the time that everybody's going to need to start switching over Yeah, because I know people definitely get confused by that. And, um, for like, for instance, when I just retook the master exam, I was using the 2015 guidelines. Rachel is going to be taking the exam in October. So she's been using the 2021 guidelines mm -hmm. and um, the, they really are, these are very minor revisions. And I know we talked about, um, you can go back and listen to our BJCP guidelines episode we did previously, but like 2008 and 2015, the guidelines changed drastically. If you've ever looked at the 2008 guidelines, it's like, there are like 25 beer styles and, you know, um, and now, now there's obviously, there always were a lot more, but there was a huge, like 2015 represented a huge revision to the style guidelines. And the 2021 is much more minor in terms of what the revisions are. It's really more about streamlining the guidelines. But if you're listening to this in your ear holes now, and you're studying for either BJCP or Cicerone exam. If you're not taking it before July 31st, it's time to switch over to the 2021 mm -hmm. guidelines. And that's what you'll, you'll be tested on for BJCP. That's what you'll be tested on for Cicerone. And that's also, um, I've seen some beer competitions starting to use the 2021 guidelines already. So you may have already judged a competition that was using the 2021 guidelines. Um, I, I haven't done, I haven't, administered a comp before, but I'm pretty sure that you could like, if I wanted to host a competition today and say, we're using 2008 guidelines, I'm pretty sure I could do that. Like BJCP doesn't require you. I don't, I'm, I'm fairly certain 
they don't have that much oversight over competitions to be able to say like, you have to be using 2021, but most people are going to be using them. They, after they August said, 1st. they said during their presentation, they said now, whether this was a required requirement or not, I did not catch, but they say that the homebrew clubs, they give everyone six months to change over the guidelines for the right their competitions. Now, whether that's a requirement or not, I don't know, but it would be weird to give them a time yeah. limit if it wasn't a requirement. Yeah, I think that that's, yeah, that's probably a good point. So one of the other reasons why we wanted to talk about this topic is because at HomebrewCon in Pittsburgh, uh, Gordon Strong did was asked to do a presentation on beer styles. I think it was like beer styles, past, present, and future. It was, um, I must have co-hosted um, Julia Hurst from the AHA was also part of that um, presentation. I was not able to attend it because I was at a different presentation, but Rachel, you were able to be there. Yeah. Um, and we haven't really downloaded a, a lot about outside of what we'll get to in terms of your question that you asked, but um, talk to us a little bit about like what, uh, truly, we haven't even talked about like what, yeah, what were the what topics that they touched on? So it was... Um, like you said about past, present and future guidelines, it was a lot about like how, you know, they came across, like how, why they added a specific style or why they add new styles in general, um, what they determine as criteria for a new style. Um, they say in the news, in, in the, in the guidelines themselves, they say, you know, like we, like, we recognize that there are more, way more styles out there than we put in here. But it was just a little bit of why the certain ones are here that they are. Mm -hmm. um, and for the common reasons of like, these are styles that we've been brewing for a long time. We need a common language as brewers to communicate. We need a common language as for our competitions and guidelines for our beers when you enter competition, kind of the obvious things. Um, they mentioned that one some things they would do is they've had a couple people from overseas reach out about like their style, like, can we make this style in the guidelines? And they, although it, I'm sure they have not, you know, done research on all of them. It sounds like they have taken some trips to research that style, um, asking those people to get together a bunch of different examples so they can evaluate them themselves. And this is very much a couple people getting together and evaluating Right. What's the new style? Right. I was about to say the when Rachel is saying they, she's talking about like six men. Yeah. I'm talking about BJCP, who I definitely cannot even define myself, except knowing that it's a couple, a group of couple of older men. Yes. I, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm, I'm assuming there's no women. No. Um, yeah. No, there, there is one woman involved in the anyone. 2015 guidelines out of like, I don't know, 20 people. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, very small, they, the 2021 guidelines specifically are, um, six, six men, six, okay. six middle-aged guys. So, and then probably two or three of them are going to make this trip, I would imagine. But anyways, you know, Julia was there to kind of ask some other questions as well and kind of guide the conversation. And one, one conversation question she asked was how could people get more involved in, submitting changes in the guidelines and they didn't really have a good answer. I should say it was more like, here's an email you can submit and we look over them when it's time to make changes. So I guess you can submit an email now 
and maybe in seven years <laughs> or somebody six will years. read your read your email and say <laughs> I disagree and I disagree move it. on <laughs> yeah so there's no way of getting involved in BJCP except um, making some email giving typing some email which sounds like it will get you nowhere um, they she did ask about you know, like I think BJCP was one thing is they, or he was making clear is like, they don't host all the homebrew competitions. They're just there to provide style guidelines that that homebrew competitions can use. Like it doesn't sound like they have, people have to get specific permission to use these guidelines from what I could tell. No, they're, they're public. Yeah. So it was, it was just basically talking about how BJCP worked the difference in styles and how they grown. And like, you know, they look at like, for example, the two new styles that were added this year are brute IPA and hazy IPA. And even Gordon admitted, he's like, you know, brute IPA, it was so quick. Did it really need to be added? Probably not. Right. You know, added it, right next to a brown IPA. Yeah. And red IPA. Yeah. And it's just like, and then hazy IPA. And, and to me, it's like, I, I always say trends day, fads fade. And that's like a very good example. Yeah, hazy IPA, although hate it myself, it's here to stay. Where Brute IPA made this like quick come, you know, entry to market and, and left very quickly. So it's kind of weird that to me that that got added, Brute IPA, but he was explaining, you know, that and why certain styles get chosen and others don't. Um, that's basically it. It's pretty boring presentation. I'm not going to lie. Like cool information, I guess. I mean, it's not a very exciting subject, BJCC guidelines to say in itself, but um, you know, you got to have a peppy speaker when you're going to have a boring subject. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like somebody said that um, that speaker is not very engaging um, and was shouted down by other people. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, that person was right. That, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's, that's why Julia was there. I appreciate the validation. <laughs> I know. Uh, but Julia did a great job. She was there to like ask questions, keep things engaged. And then, you know, I went in there with a very specific purpose. I have done a deep dive into these changes of the guidelines. And we'll talk about those like for, for the purpose of this presentation. I didn't like get the new guidelines and like, I'll be the judge of this. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, because the, you know, for, for master, you have to have all of those stats memorized and you have to know the commercial examples. I had to go and change all my note cards, which is really what it came down to. So as I was changing my note cards, I took notes about some of these changes. So we could talk about them today. The guidelines were updated in 2021, like, I think they released them like December 29th, which I get it. Like you've already done the formatting. Everything says 2021. You're not yeah. like, these are damn it. These are getting released. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's at 1159 on December 31st. Yeah. So they came out at the very, very end. And I think Gordon did a good job of the BJCP. So um, Gordon is no longer within the leadership of the BJCP somehow he has maintained his tight hold over the BJCP guidelines. And he did a good job when it came, when they announced that they were doing updates saying, here's broadly what we changed. So as we've already discussed, like they're pretty minor. And I think Rachel's going to go through some stats on like, 
you know, here's how many like SRM changes and things that there were, but what they did with the guidelines, they had, like Rachel said, they added a couple of styles, but they tried not to change the style numbers and the names, which is very much appreciated because when I first started studying for Cicerone, we were still on the 2008 guidelines. And then, so having to like relearn mm -hmm. the new styles, like you don't have to have the style categories or names or numbers memorized, but when you look at them so often, like you're just like, oh yeah, 21B is specialty IPA. Like you just kind of start to learn that. So they, they try to minimize doing that as much as possible, specifically because of people studying for exams, entering competitions. Uh, one of the things that I liked that they did, the individual style description has for each one has been reviewed and updated if there was outdated or redundant material. I haven't looked to see if stewed fruit is still used somewhere as a description um, because it's a terrible description. <laughs> and also I know that when asked what is stewed fruit, what Gordon is Strong a stewed not, fruit? He didn't know. Um, <laughs> but people everywhere know. are using stewed fruit. And that was actually Bill Simpson asking Gordon Strong, what is stewed yes. fruit? Yes. So... <laughs> But they also, if the aroma and flavor descriptions exactly match, they removed those duplications. If I remember correctly, too, with like the Scottish family, if you've read the, you know, um, export uh, heavy light, it was the exact same description. So they just condensed that to be like, here's the difference in like the ABV and stuff. Because I yeah. know um, I was speaking to people before who were studying for an exam who were really confused by that, who were like, what is the point of having three different entries? If all of like, what, what am I not getting if exactly. all of them are exactly the same? I think we um, even so did an episode that. about it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we did. If you wanted more info. Yeah. And it. they, um, introduced uh, the specialty beers section. Uh, that was a completely new introduction. One of the big, big things that they did was the Milk the Funk group got with them to say, your guidelines for sour beers are not reflective of, you know, of mixed fermentation of what home brewers are doing, of what pro brewers are doing. So the sour beers really got an overhaul with consistent terminology. And, you know, like in 2000. 15 or actually 2014, when the 2015 guidelines came out, mixed fermentations weren't as big or as common as they are now. So that's, you know, that is reflective mm -hmm. of like, here's how home brewing has changed. Here's where, how interests have shifted and here's what it looks like in the real world. Um, they also this time got someone qualified beer historian, Ron Pattinson to review the history sections, um, because Ron Pattinson is like solidly in the, where, where did this information come from? Yeah. If you're not familiar with Ron Pattinson. He is a like preeminent beer historian. He gets extremely granular with his beer history. Um, but he's, it, it's, it's still strange that anybody would write something about beer history um, that's meant to be guidelines and not consult him. But if you go to his uh, website, he actually has a tag that says BJCP wankers. And so when he'll like post something about like, I don't understand why the guidelines say this because here's all this clear documentation that says otherwise, um, you know, the, the BJCP wankers jump into the comments <laughs> to try to shout him down. So he's just added a tag. So you can um, go to his website, click on the BJCP wankers tab and just read all of the times that he's been like, 
hey, this isn't correct. And, you know, and just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. How dare you um, in the comment section? So I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Yes, he was. <laughs> he was finally consulted um, to make sure that the history was actually correct. Uh, well, I, I should say the history as again, as recorded and written and reported on by by more homogenous uh, people. Um, and they've also they uh, revised the commercial examples and they made some changes, minor changes to the sale parameters. But the biggest things to know going in, um, sour beers received a big facelift, sweet beers also um, received attention. And I like I haven't gone through these because I was studying for my master exam and I was not going to fill my mind with new ideas about beer style guidelines. And then a couple of styles moved around or got renamed. So that's, those are kind of like the big sweeping changes that they posted to say, which I think is super helpful to post and say, here's what we changed and here's why, like it's minor. So we can kind of just lay it out for you at the beginning that these are, this was a big change, this was a big change. Here's kind of a list of minor changes that we made. So. 10,000 foot view, Rachel, you can take us in for like the, the 10 foot yeah. view. Well, so there were a couple of stat changes, like the ones that you were expected to memorize when you're studying for these tests. IBU changes, there were three changes to IBUs. Um, okay, no big deal. You can re like read commercial, you can read beer labels. Most brewers put IBUs and ABVs on their beers. Like I'm not really going to like argue with any of that. I didn't go and look at every single commercial example myself. I trust that we can take what the label says and adjust style parameters to that. You know, if we have a beer that's lower, a half percent lower in alcohol than what the style says, and we feel like it's a good example that it's being made all the time, why not? Right. Include Timothy, um, not Timothy Taylor, um, Sam Smith, their Imperial Stout is like 7.5. Yeah. And it's listed as a commercial example, or it was listed as a commercial example. I don't know if it still is, but like the, the ABV guidelines for Imperial Souter 8 to 12. Yeah. Um, one thing I was surprised by, Sati, the IBUs go from 7 to 15 and are now 0 to 15. But there's no commercial examples given. Like, yep. <laughs> I just curious, um, like, <laughs> and we will also in, in just a moment, we will play audio of Rachel <laughs> driving this point home. That uh, was something that we had suspected yeah. and she was able to confirm at least with SRM. Um, and we've talked about this before. Humans don't taste IBUs. Humans don't see an SRM. Um, humans don't taste ABV. Those are all things, we're not lab instruments. Those are all things properly measured by a lab, um, which is why you don't write on a score sheet, this beer has is two to three SRM. And if you do it, stop it immediately. You are, yeah, unless, you don't know. unless you are AI, you are a lab yeah. instrument <laughs> yeah, exactly. doing this. Um, you don't, and I've also seen feedback that's like, this beer is too bitter, consider lowering your IBUs by five. Like, no, that's not, perceived oh bitterness God. is different. And IBUs are pretty meaningless outside of a lab anyway. Exactly. Um, these, so this IBU changing, I would love just generally as a sensory person, um, maybe with the people who, who write these guidelines, just do it like a taste 
test, a sensory panel to say, arrange these by IBU. And I would love to see of course, the person yeah. who can say zero IBU versus seven IBU. So all of that to just say. want to know what beers they're getting these numbers from when there's no commercial examples given. Yeah, that's um, that's a very, very good. Like, like I said, I can accept you're not using a lab for IBUs because let's be honest, most breweries are not using a lab for the IBUs that they print on their beer labels. They're doing it for marketing reasons. And I can accept that you can create ABV changes without analyzing every single beer. Because again, we need to rely on the breweries to provide us with the correct information. Right. Now, what I cannot accept <laughs> is there are 32 SRM changes. I think of my, when I asked my question, I think I got, I think I said 33, but there are 32 SRM changes. Well, that invalidates your entire argument. Yeah. Stupid girl. Basically. And let's just talk about a couple of them. Now, when I ask my question, and you will hear it, I specifically want to know what lab he used for these SRM changes and how many commercial examples he sent off. I know the answer to this question. Yes. I didn't need to ask it. The answer yes. is Rule number not- one of cross-examination that you learn <laughs> in law school is you don't ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Yeah. So his answer, of course, is no, none were sent off. We did not use a lab. This is all okay. And then he goes to explain- that a home brewer sent in some changes based upon some terminology used in style descriptions and the, the SRMs given in their guide. So they say like SRM two to three is straw, three to four is yellow, five to six to gold, blah, blah, blah. Now, I think the point he was trying to make is someone said our math and our color names were basically wrong. Right. So this is one of those like minor changes where in the grand scheme of things, what they're trying to do is if they always if they're saying that something is gold, they're making sure that the SRM they give reflects the fact that it's gold. No. So, yes, a home brewer did basically what Rachel has done to say, like, I, I ran the numbers. I guess here's an example of somebody emailing in to say this is yeah. inconsistent and then listening to that feedback and changing it with their human eyes. With your human eye, exactly. Now, let's just take a couple examples here. So, we have Czech Dark Lager was SRM 14 to 35, now 17 to 35. So, you're telling me that someone can hold up a 14 and SRM beer and dictate that that's a three SRM difference? Not only that, but that this is in fact 14 and this is in fact 17. So, so some home, home brewer said that. Okay, let's look at another example. Icebach was SRM 18 to 30, now 17 to 30. Okay, okay, hold on. Now let's look at your fucking chart. <laughs> let's say we have copper. The color copper is, according to this chart, is the SRM of 14 to 17. Okay. And this, the chart you're referencing is what they put in the guidelines, correct? Yes, this just, is a chart I'm, that's in the guidelines. Yes, for, we're just yeah, laying out all reference. of this. All, yes. I, I didn't make it up. This is a chart that they say that these words mean that these SRM If numbers. you print out the guidelines, this information is included as here's what these Copy and colors paste are. It. Yep. And well, to my notes. <laughs> so they're saying, okay, Icebox is now 
being expanded, expanded to 17 versus 18. Like this is where the SRM is going to start. Well, folks, I have news for you that 17 to 18 is the same color description in the chart that they give. It says deep color to light brown. What the fuck? What is the difference? Like, okay, why? Why? Like, okay, so now you're, I guess, okay, I can see that, but you also have 17 is copper, right? Uh, which also copper. So 17, 14 to 17 is copper. 17 to 18 is deep copper slash light brown. 19 is brown. So you're telling me that you like, how do you know, how do you know the difference between 14 copper and 17 copper? Why can't an ice block be 15 copper? That's what I'm saying. Like, this is why it's so stupid. <laughs> I'm here. I'm these, here. To make these changes <laughs> because your human eye can't fucking see this shit. And it's like right. ridiculous. It's ridiculous because we're all learning and studying and you don't need to make changes that are 0.5 to one point different. Unless, right. unless it's a real change. Like ask the brewery, say, hey, do you want your beers to be in the commercial examples of this portion? Can you do this test for us? The bigger breweries. They'll say no, because <laughs> it's very expensive, but it's so silly. The only one that I can accept is one change, which is American Brown IPA goes from 11 to 19 to 18 to 35. Now, still kind of weird, because I don't know why it can't still be 15, but according to some examples, but I don't, I haven't done a deep dive myself. I'm not looking at them all. They're not made that much anymore. I don't know, but. I can accept it because it's a huge jump. Like, right. And it does make sense for brown color. It does. And you can, you can see the difference. You can't tell the number difference, but you can see the clear difference in Correct. those two ranges. Cool. So, you know, that was my, my big thing. That's what I asked him. We'll play the audio clip for you because of course I recorded it. If you're a member of the AHA, which, which if you're not a member of the AHA, you should be because it's a very, very good resource for a lot of different reasons. But Agreed. all of the audio, all of the recordings will be available on from HomebrewCon on the website later this year. And that's accessible to anybody with an AHA membership. So you can hear all of the questions um, that were being asked. And please go back and see if they cut mine out <laughs> and let me know. Yeah. So let's um, let's play this audio really quickly. And um this is Rachel at HomebrewCon asking this question of Gordon Strong that we just discussed. I think we basically covered all of it, but you know, you can just hear it for yeah. yourself. And the other women, woman's voice in the background that you hear is Julia Hurt. Yes. Like just for clarification. Okay, so in the new guidelines versus the old gui guidelines, you have a couple ABV changes, a couple IBU changes, which makes sense because you can read labels but you have 33 SRM changes and 32 of those SRM changes are only changed by a half a point or one point. Um, so my question is how many commercial examples were sent off to a lab to analyze that SRM changes and which lab was that? You know, I'm staying for this answer. <laughs> um, none and not applicable. So what were the, what was was the group of people in, and the demographic, demographics of that group of people that made those decisions? Or like it, what size of the group, I mean? The, the SRM things changed because a home brewer analyzed the table that we had published in it of this color equates to this number. 
and then was looking, were we applying that consistently? So in some cases, we claimed a number and then described it a certain way. So we were trying to achieve internal consistency with the, the color of table of color names to SRMs in the, in the guidelines and then make sure that those were applied in styles because we, we received complaints from people studying of like they didn't know which one to study because they were slightly off. So in more cases than not, it was just reconciling, reconciling those. With, hu with human sight? Just, just yes. curious how, okay. Yes, there, there was no laboratory analysis involved. Got it, thanks. So oh, there you have man. it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it was, so we will d just a uh, quick day version. Uh, like I said, I was not there. I was in another uh, session, but afterward, Rachel comes up and she's like, I asked the question and um, <laughs> yeah, my, like, friend, my friend, my friend and I had two I, jobs he, on this trip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my friend and I, who were in the other session had talked about like our session ended early and we were like, oh shit, we need to go find this other session um, to just to be there for the, the question and answer portion of it. And I, I was bummed that I didn't get to be at that session because I have a lot of opinions on the guidelines and who's writing them and who's determining them. So I would have liked to have been there, but I will go back and watch the recording. I don't think they would have liked that. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, Rachel comes up and she's like, I asked the question and she's playing the audio for us. And I think, I don't know, like four people came up, like we're just like standing in a group, you know, outside of like the reception area and like four different people came up to be like, you really gave it to Gordon Strong <laughs> or like had some comment and we're just like, that was fucking awesome. And somebody was like, I wish somebody was recording that. We were like, we've got a recording of it. <laughs> but yes, that you will also like, it was amazing. Say, it, she didn't do anything illegal uh, or yeah. like non-consensual with that. Uh, th that was recorded anyway. But um, so many people were like, that was Damn. awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. That's really great. And we, um, one of the other things that we did that we had been working on was a bingo game for club <laughs> night, which is where, if you're not familiar with homebrew con <laughs> club night is so much fun. And it's where all it's basically a beer festival, but it's all homebrew clubs. And, um, it really is like the highlight of the conference. So we had this bingo game we were playing that we had made for club night specifically. That was things, you know, like beer tattoos or um, the tallest the, person, yeah, in the ridiculously room. tall person, yeah. kind of just things like that, like just stuff that you see, like three pairs of khaki yeah. shorts standing in a row, a glass uh, breaks, and a group goes, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so one of the things we had on there was angry question asker, <laughs> and it was funny because the the gentleman who asked who decided we were qualified, you know, Rachel, Rachel was very graceful about it because I was about to like start a fucking fight over it. Like for once it's like, we changed I know, I was like, it was like a freaky Friday <laughs> yeah, thing yeah. that Rachel was just like, here's my very measured response. And I'm like balling up my fist, like, <laughs> like the Arthur meme. Um, but after, like, after he walked off, we both had angry question asker on our bingo cards and we we're like, Oop, Check. got it. Yeah. <laughs> but I was telling somebody about our bingo game and she had also been at homebrew con 
And uh, I said, yeah, like angry question asker, you know, I was going through like, here's some of the things we had on the on our bingo cards. And she was like, well, I was in Gordon Strong's presentation. <laughs> and I know about angry question askers. And I stopped her and I was like, I know what you're about to say. I just want you to know, this is one of my best friends and one of my podcasts. You say whatever you're going to say, but I think it's hilarious that that's what pops into your asking. mind of, I was in this presentation. <laughs> Speaking of angry question askers. <laughs> I wasn't angry. I was assertive. No, and right. that's what I get for being a woman and being assertive. Right being called right, angry. exactly yes um but yeah, i was there so to have just, fun yeah just a, a couple of the there was good good feedback after yeah. rachel had asked that question but you know that's something and we talked about this before recording this episode we're not trying to punch down or like beat up on people who aren't here to defend themselves i know i find it highly doubtful that any of the leadership within the bjcp <laughs> would be listening to our podcast but if you are hello and welcome and yeah, it's just, uh, a, you know, that's, just to show how subjective it is. Right. And how but we welcome if if anybody from the BJCP would like to reach out and, you know, yeah. and, and possibly be be an interview subject for guidelines yeah. and how they're determined. We definitely we don't like I said, we're not trying to beat up on people who aren't here to defend themselves. No, we're not, despite what it might sound like. <laughs> right. But like Rachel said, pointing out that because I know that I'm this way too, when, you know, I started studying for BJCP and studying for CISRA and I was like, you use these guidelines. It was like, okay, then this is the authority on the guidelines. And yeah. it's one of them. And I'm not at all saying that these, these are not like fatally flawed in any way, but we're not lab instruments. Yeah. Like you just said, with all of these SRM changes, you can't do that by sight. Um, and presenting these as whether that's what you intended when you set out with the guidelines or not, presenting them as these are the facts when it's like, well, but you just looked at it. You're not sending it to a lab. You're not getting this. These lab measurements yeah. are not coming from a lab. They're coming from you saying that you are capable of telling the difference between 2.5 and 3 SRM. Yeah. And you are not. Nobody you is. Not. Nobody is. And eyesight is very different for everyone as well. Right. So. Yes. So I think the, the difference being, and we talked about this on our earlier BJCP podcast or the guidelines podcast is what is understanding your role. And again, intent versus impact. And how do you maybe revisit what your responsibility is within the, the, you know, outside of the BJCP who is using these guidelines and who is benefiting and then who should have a voice rather than keeping it very closed and very homogenous. Um, you know, those, those aren't the only people who are qualified to talk about the guidelines and who does get to decide what styles get included. And I know Rachel, you had also reached out to them as well because initially they were going to make Italian grape ale, just grape ale and move it somewhere else. And somebody from Italy said, I have a very serious problem with this. Like this is a cultural thing where I'm from. And this is just like, you're just kind of putting it into this other category where it doesn't belong. And if it's just kind of being blind to other cultures and saying, well, we're going to make it this. And we've said like, if you go to Belgium and you ask for a Belgian dark strong, they're going to be like, what, what is are you that? talking about? Yeah, American. exactly. <laughs> so like, there are some things that have been shoehorned into styles. And again, not in a way that doesn't make sense. 
Um, but you know, that was somebody said, I, this is not okay that now you're suddenly making something that I identify very strongly with my culture. You've just stripped that part of it away and you're going to shuffle it into this other category. And then they ended up saying, well, that's not what we meant. And whether that's what they meant or not, they did end up again, another example of potentially listening to feedback. They did end up saying that wasn't, we never intended for that to be what we were trying to do. And they changed the wording to make it more mm-hmm. clear. Yeah. So that's, um, I, you know, we like to rant about the guidelines, <laughs> but that, that's some of the changes that went through. Most of them were cosmetics. Most of them were minor, but if you're listening to this now, chances are you need to start switching over for uh, testing purposes, for competition purposes to the 2021 guidelines. And that's something that I think a lot of people find confusing is, wait, when am I going to be tested on this? And for example, if Mm -hmm. you're studying for a Cicerone exam, when you go to the Cicerone website, they have two different syllabi for each each level. And it says, you know, use this before before August, 2022, use this after August, 2022. And on August 1st, that old syllabus is going to go away. And I think they also have Cicerone released like a press release. I think you can probably find it on their website that says, here's what we changed based on the guidelines. So there are some things that, you know, don't, don't really like for Cicerone purposes, it doesn't matter that Gosa is in European sour beers and not his. Exactly. Yeah. But it's something to be aware of. And so they've, they've got that in their, um, of what, here are the changes we made and why. So, I mean, I think that's pretty much it, right? With the yeah. the guideline updates, I was showing Rachel, maybe I'll post a picture of it. <laughs> the difference between my crispy clean 2021 guidelines and my grubby, bratty, <laughs> like brown 2015 <laughs> guidelines that I've had for seven years now, that it's just all, like I've got weird notes in there, but yeah, it's all just like, fucking gross and from from my dirty dirty hands i guess uh so i'm are looking you, are forward. you gonna keep it yeah <laughs> come on jen blair's 2015 bjcp guidelines are gonna be in the fucking smithsonian one day all right like fonzie's jacket <laughs> so thank you everyone for listening thank you for um patiently waiting for these new episodes to come out if you have um you know any let's say the past six weeks you haven't had an episode you're like gee i really wish i could hear the voices of rachel and jen talk about this topic um reach out to us and let us know we always like hearing from you we always try to get back to everybody uh, so you can email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com you can find us on instagram and facebook at falsebottomgirls um, also know that I, I typically handle our social media. So if you like posted about us in your story uh, or anything like that in the past six weeks and it didn't get acknowledged by us, that is completely on me. It's not because I didn't care. It's because I had to delete all social media off of my phone. So I would actually study um, and not be like, it's been five minutes. Who's yeah. updated their story. So always feel free to tag us, reach out to us. You can also visit our website at falsebottomgirls.com. And we have a Patreon. We haven't talked about the Patreon 
in a little bit, but if you head over to our website, you can link to the Patreon from there, learn more about what's included in your Patreon memberships. Um, that includes monthly bonus episodes that are only available to our Patreon um, listeners. So that includes monthly style episodes. This month we'll be talking about Goose, um, where we do deep dives into different beer styles. It also includes a monthly newsletter from us and uh, monthly interviews with somebody um, tangentially involved in the beer industry. So you can go to fallsbottomgirls.com and click on Patreon to learn more. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the brewing world go round.